If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. Are you struggling with stress? Do you feel like life is out of control? Do you run out of time to get your to-do list tackled? Well, we have a special gift for you. Stop by addvaluemindset.com and claim your free gift today. I'm really excited about today's guest, Jason Pfeiffer. Jason is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, author of the book, Build for Tomorrow, a startup advisor and host of two podcasts, Build for Tomorrow, and a show about the smartest solutions to our most misunderstood problems and problem solvers about entrepreneurs overcoming the odds in their business. Prior to entrepreneur, Jason has worked as an editor at Men's Health, Fast Company, Maxim, and Boston Magazine, and has written about business and technology for the Washington Post, Slate, New York, and others. Jason's previous book, a romantic comedy that he wrote with his wife called Mr. Nice Guy, is currently being developed for television. Jason Pfeiffer and Robert talk about creating opportunities rather than just going along with the opportunities presented. The success will seek out connections and opportunities and challenges to help them grow. We also talk about fake it until you make it, but you can't fake who you really are. So why not put the energy towards becoming who you want to be? Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to this conversation and just uh, sharing all your wisdom with the world. Thanks. I appreciate it. Nice to be here. <clears throat> so I love how you, uh, in your bio, you talk about opportunity set A and opportunity set B. And I love the, the way you share your journey that way. So typically I let every guest just share their journey. And I'd appreciate if you'd share yours from, from that perspective of those two opportunities set. Sure. So for context, for folks who aren't familiar with that, that's you're talking about a philosophy I have called work your next job. And uh, the idea of work your next job is that in front of each person, in front of you right now, we have two sets of opportunities, opportunity set A and opportunity set B. Opportunity set A is everything that's asked of you. So everything that's you know at your job, uh, uh, you have roles, responsibilities, your boss expects things from you do a good job, that's opportunity set A. Opportunity set B is everything that's available to you that nobody's asking you to do. And that could be at your work where you take on new role, responsibility, join a new team, but it could also be something outside of work where you, um, you know, you, you take a new, uh, take a class on a new skill, you seek out, um, Everything that is, sorry, it's funny. It's funny. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you. Uh, uh, is we're towards the end of an insane day, and I just like lost my place in what I'm talking about. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna uh, be real about that. Anyway, so everything that's not, uh, so everything opportunities at B is everything that is available to you that nobody's asking you to do, and that could be outside of work. Uh, that could be inside of work. That could be outside of work. You like podcasts. You decide to start a podcast. Uh, you are interested in learning a new skill. You take a class. The point of this is that every and the point of this is that the greatest opportunities you will have, the greatest growth you will get is going to come out of pursuit of opportunity set B. Because opportunity set A is you got to do a good job or you won't keep your job. But if you only focus on opportunity set A, you will only be qualified to do the things that you're already doing. Opportunity set B is where growth happens, where you open doors and you don't even know where they're going to lead, where you just give yourself more skills to be more valuable later on in ways you cannot even anticipate. So anyway, that's the context. You would ask me um, how I had done this for myself. And the answer 
is that I, I have really always in every job that I've ever held, I have always been doing this kind of secondary thing. Uh, for a long time, it was freelancing for other magazines, which is where I built new skills and contacts and really accelerated my career. Um, I've taught I've um, I've launched viral websites. I uh, right now I, I have my own media company. I produce a whole lot of media that makes me money, and I speak and I advise startups, and I do I do a whole lot of stuff. And the reason for that is because I just don't believe that you could possibly get to where you want to go, even if you don't know where that is, if you only are satisfied doing the thing you're already doing. Mm. That's so powerful. So new book releasing, uh, just released, just released. And, yeah. Build for tomorrow. And yeah. really talking about, uh, looking at change in, in a completely different way. I think than than most people feel like most people dread change, even though change is inevitable yeah. and, and they, and they don't see change as opportunity. And, and I think you're, you're trying to help people build resilience and see, see change as an opportunity for something even greater and even bigger than even they can imagine when they're moving into it. You know, and that just comes out of me observing that this is what drives people's success. You know, I, I through entrepreneur, I get to meet with the most incredible people and both very famous, but also just, you know, regular smart entrepreneurs who've started interesting businesses. And what I have found is that the, the single quality that runs through all of them and the thing that has driven the most success is that they are adaptable. Uh, they 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 see failure as data. They process experiences as new sets of opportunities rather than as uh, loss. Uh, you know, they 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 do not see the world as fixed, and therefore um, uh, everything that changes is 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 a, a reduction to what they already had. They see it as infinite potential for growth. And I, I wanted to understand what it was that they were doing because it doesn't seem to be something that people are born with. It seems to be a skill that people can learn. And so I, I spent a lot of time, years and years talking to people about this and following what they were doing and understanding the, the, the systems that they had put in place for themselves and the, the habits they had built and the, the, the mindsets that they had developed. And, um, and uh, you know, ultimately came to my own theory of, of how change happens, that it, it happens in four phases, panic, adaptation, new normal, and wouldn't go back. And I, I, I wanted to help anybody along that journey. So that's, that's where the book Build for Tomorrow comes from. Well, I love that idea of, of wouldn't go back. And when I talk with entrepreneurs that if there's a line with entrepreneurs cross in their business where they wouldn't go back. <laughs> yeah. I call it the the no longer hireable line, mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. they they've gone so far into into this into this space that that they would never they wouldn't take another job if right they, unless I mean I suppose some but for the majority they're like all right I understand how to generate revenue I understand how to create relationships I understand how to do these things and and why would I go to work for somebody else mm -hmm. <laughs> because I've put all these pieces together and so I love that line. The, the wouldn't the wouldn't go back <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, look i think that you reach that in your own life and and then you say perhaps i i i'm i'm unhirable now I've, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say something like that to me but it also is a thing that you can find within your business where you were doing something for a long time and it was working and then maybe it stopped working or it didn't work as well as it could or you identified that there was a better way to do it or a new opportunity that you hadn't seized 
and uh uh and and you you ran some experiments you tried something new and you ultimately reached a wouldn't go back moment there where where you said you know it turns out that i was crazily maybe dis- i mean i've heard this all the time you know, people say they were they were succeeding despite themselves right which is to say that they maybe the business was working but they hadn't really figured out exactly how to serve their consumer or they hadn't figured out exactly who their consumer was or they hadn't figured out the best way to run this business and the more in which they 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 embraced that the thing that they're doing isn't the only way to do it, the more that they discovered that there was still a wouldn't go back moment for them, even if they didn't expect it. Mm, so powerful. So if, if this is a skill and, and those are the four stages, what, what skills are necessary to be able to pass, move through those stages? Uh, well, you know, there are a lot of them. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the first one that I, um, you know, I always point people towards is that you need to understand the thing about you that does not change in times of change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I, I I I like to describe it as the difference between your what and your why, where where I think people too closely identify with the output of their work, with the thing that they're doing, with with maybe even their their job title. And uh, you know, the problem with that is that the those things are going to change. Those things are, are, are by their very nature changeable. The way in which you operate is going to change. The, the kind of leader that you need to be is going to change. The, perhaps even the thing that your company does is going to change. And if you too closely identify yourself with any one way of doing these things, then once there's some kind of disruption or adjustment, you're going to feel lost um, and your instinct is going to be to try to hold on to the thing that already was because that's what you knew. And so instead, we need to push ourselves to identify a, a core mission uh, of ourselves, something that is so deep inside of us that it it drove us to develop the skills that enable us to do the tasks. It's, it's so core that it, it simply just doesn't change even when everything else does. Uh, you know, by, by way of example, I started as a newspaper reporter. I became a magazine editor. I make podcasts. I write books. But my definition of myself to myself is not any one of those things uh, anymore. It used to be, and and uh, and and I don't think that it was. It served me very well because I, when I thought of myself as a newspaper reporter, and then I decided I didn't want to be in newspapers anymore. I felt pretty stuck because I thought, well, I don't know what I I don't know what I am if I'm not a newspaper reporter. Um, and so instead, I have this line for myself, which is, I tell stories in my own voice. I tell stories, not magazine stories, not newspaper stories, not podcasts, not books, in my own voice. I'm setting the terms for the work that I want to do. And I, and I find that the more that we can come up with something like that for ourselves or for our companies, because I've heard entrepreneurs have have that for their companies too, right? It's the difference between... Uh, it's the difference between we sell cupcakes and we bring joy to people with sweet baked goods. Um, because, you know, if you only sell cupcakes, what happens when people stop liking cupcakes? Uh, so what we instead need to do is identify something that is not changeable, that that is not subject to shifts in needs. Uh, I tell stories in my own voice. There will always be people who need to do that. You know, it, it's funny. I just Just this afternoon, in fact, somebody who had read my book, um, reached out to me, uh, to tell me their version. I'm just going to like looking at my email cause it was so cool. Um, yeah, this guy, this guy wrote me and he said, uh, he said, here's what he came up with during the exercise. He wrote, 
I blend observations, facts, and patterns to drive improvement. That's great. I love that. It right. Is. Observation. I mean, there will always be a need for that. It doesn't matter. Maybe different, different observations, different facts, I guess, but certainly there's never going to be a, uh, you're never going to run out of need for that skill. So identify that. And suddenly when things change, you understand exactly how you're oriented. Absolutely. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that, that perspective on, on facing change and, and really you're trying to help people advance themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the identity we can get so caught in identities, right? Moms get caught in the identity of being a mother. And then when their kids move out they're they're lost and, and, and feel like they, they haven't found themselves. And, yeah. and, and especially people in, in this current environment that identify by their title, right? We, we we go to all these networking events and all of these happenings and, and it's always, well, you know, who are you? Well, I'm, and, and we use our title instead of, so I like that uh, yeah. finding an identity in something that's, that's not tied to your job or to your company or to it's tied to purpose. Right. Now, of course, that's, you know, that's something that really is, is most useful internally. I, I, I could totally understand when you're going out to a networking event, nobody's going to just start speaking their, their mission, right? I mean, like if I sure. said, if I said, uh, you know, somebody asked what I do and I don't say I'm the editor in chief entrepreneur magazine, I instead say, I tell stories in my own voice. That's going to sound kind of weird and obnoxious, but, um, but you know what is what, what's, uh, what you just said reminds me of this, um, this thing, you know, where, where, when, you know, if somebody asks you what you do at a party, you just say your title that it's, um, you know, it's actually an interesting possible missed opportunity. And I, I have this in the book. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So the, I, I I met this guy named Myron Golden uh, a while ago, high ticket sales coach. And um, and he, he had made this really interesting point that most people miss miss a great opportunity when they explain what they do because they they describe themselves in a way in which it doesn't compel anybody to do anything and, and oh. My, myron said myron said you know um I, people can only I'm, I, I just pulled up his quote so i could quote him exactly he said you know people can only decide whether or not they want to do business with you based on the fact that they hear what you say and then they think i need that or i don't need that you want to be one of those two reasons. It's like, hate me or celebrate me, but whatever you do, don't just tolerate me because I'm confusing. Um, and um, and so and then he, he had developed this formula, which was really interesting for how to how to describe yourself. So uh, he said it has four qualities. So number one, you, you have, a, have a self-description that must be measurable. So it must contain an exact quantifiable thing. And then number two, it must be statable. So it should fit into a sentence, be spoken in about seven seconds, he says. Third, it must be understandable. So you got to deliver it in a very basic, like three to five, third to five grade, uh, fifth grade level to avoid any confusion. And then fourth, it must be desirable. So it must contain something that people already want. Um, so, uh, you know, so for example, Myron describes himself as he, you know, he gave it to me. Here's his sentence. 
I help high-level entrepreneurs create high-ticket offers, convey high-ticket... I'm sorry, I'm going to say it again. I help entrepreneurs create high-ticket offers, convey high-ticket offers, and convert those high-ticket offers so they can have six- and seven-figure days. So now you hear that, you go back to his rules, and suddenly you know they make a lot of sense. So, so got to be quantifiable, right? There's got to be a number in there. It tells you exactly what the payoff is going to be. Got to be stateable, got to be understandable, and it must be desirable. And, um, and I, you know, I thought, boy, it's really interesting because we, we so rarely do that. Um, I hear coaches all the time who will just say, I'm a, I'm a transformation coach, right? And what all I do is I, what I do is I help people transform, transform into what, <laughs> for what purpose? From a cocoon to a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, anyway, I, I love that because it, you know, the thing I love about those kinds of things is that you realize that everything around you could be improved, right? Like there's a, there's a way to think about and, and do better on, on even the smallest things that you do. And when you think at a granular level like that, you, you, you know, you really start to find opportunities that you've left uh, sitting around. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, that's pretty powerful. The idea of compelling in, in your, just even in your introduction is, mm -hmm. is pretty important and not, I don't know that it's taught very much or, or encouraged. Yeah. There. So, as as editor in chief, as your role in, in meeting with so many so many entrepreneurs, um, successful people, how, how important is is authenticity and and character in in today's business world? So, I mean, the 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 uh, the kind of cliche answer is is like, oh, you know, it's so important. Authenticity matters so much. But actually, very interestingly, I'm uh, I, I have a researcher. Uh, she's a a professor of um, uh, a, a professor of, of entrepreneurship. What is she? An assistant professor of marketing at the uh, Tippy College of Business uh, at the University of Iowa, and she does a lot of really interesting research on this question about authenticity. and um, And so uh, she's working on a, a piece for me right now. But what's been so fascinating is hearing about all this research that finds that actually a founder's story and and the, and the feeling that 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 the thing that the thing that somebody's getting, the product or service that they're getting is, is deeply connected in an authentic way to that founder's story and mission. It's not just appealing. It's actually central to whether consumers buy what you're selling. Like, like research actually confirms this. Um, and, uh, uh, and that's, you know, th then they have all these, all these really interesting um, uh, ways to explore this and discover um, like here's, for, for example, funny, there's some research that shows lower serial numbers are preferred to higher ones. You know why? Because consumers feel like lower serial numbers are closer to the founder and therefore more authentic. Um, also, they did a study found. Um, so it, they, went, they surveyed uh, uh, chocolate lovers, I guess, about Ghirardelli chocolate and um, and found that people people preferred Ghirardelli chocolate that was made with Domenico Ghirardelli, the founder of Ghirardelli, who died in 1894, so not around to uh, sell the product <laughs> itself anymore, but um, found that people preferred chocolate that was made using Domenico Ghirardelli's original process to manage, uh, uh, over uh, over uh, 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 chocolate that was made using a, a new process. So isn't that interesting? Because, because there's something about the old original process, even though people don't know what it is, they couldn't articulate it. They probably have, it probably doesn't make any difference in terms of the taste. The, the idea that, that the process is connected to the founder and that there's something more authentic about that product because it has a connection to the founder 
drives consumer interest more. Um, it really just shows you that there's, you know, in, in a world in which in a world in which manufacturing excellence is, is very easy to come by, right? Uh, everybody, nobody can, nobody, every, every pair of scissors is just as good, right? Uh, there's like no pair of scissors that cuts better. So um, if you're not competing on, on manufacturing quality, you got to compete on something else. And the answer is you compete on story and you, you compete mm -hmm. on, uh, you compete on, on, on the, the, the feeling that people have for the connection to the person who made the thing. Well, I love that idea of compete on story, which means that you have to tell the story. Yeah, <laughs> your, your story has to be tied to 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 you, and then to the services that you offer. Mm -hmm. um, and and story is story is so powerful, right? I mean, one of the things that I try to help people with is the stories they tell themselves, yeah. and and the value of you know increasing the value that they tell themselves. <laughs> Mm -hmm. in their own story, which of course increases their value outwardly. Yeah. And to love the power of story, obviously, and everything you do is about story. <laughs> and so, yeah, very much so. I, I mean, I, I communicate in stories, um, everything that I do, you know, when I, people hire me to talk a lot and, and, um, and one of the, uh, the things people always remark upon is that, is that my, my talks are basically stories, stories with lessons, uh, rather than lessons with stories. And the reason for that is because, Stories are what people connect to. They're they're what they're they're the things that they'll remember. They're the ways in which information makes sense to them, and uh, and so I have found that the most effective way to communicate anything is not to just tell you the thing, but rather to tell you a story and then and then affix the thing to it so that you can see how that story directly relates to the thing that you're working on right now. Uh, and, and people remember it more and it has a bigger impact than yeah. just telling them the thing. That's right. And so good. So so what has been the impact of, of writing your book? Well, I guess we'll see. It's only been out a few weeks as we <laughs> speak right now. Um, but the, you know, the early impact has been um, a lot of what I anticipated, which is to say, you know, the book, having a book is a really, really good excuse to um, to just amplify yourself uh all the you know the, the big podcasts will have you on because you had a book um people will step up and do favors for you uh i mean like literally today you know so we're, we're i don't know when this will come out but we're speaking on september 19th which is um my book came out on september 6th so september 19th you know i'm still kind of in in launch mode here and um today michelle pfeiffer Michelle Pfeiffer posted a photo of herself with my book on her on her Instagram. I mean, how cool! Uh, like, just there are no words for how cool that is. And um, and so, like, it, it is it is an amplification vehicle. But also, uh, you know, I I think that the mistake people make with these kinds of things is they think, oh, well, I I, I need to amplify myself, so I guess I should just get a book together, and then they they slam a book together, or they hire someone to write a book for them. And, uh, and, you know, there's a disconnect there um, because ultimately what you really need to do is not put out a book. What you really need to do is figure out how do you, how do you present your value in a way that's going to be compelling and useful to others. Um, and for me right now, a book is, is doing that and it's, it's, putting my, it's putting me on a radar for a lot of people. And that's, that's great. Uh, that's, uh, you know, I think going to probably lead to all sorts of great opportunities. And, you know, I mean, the book itself has already been a great opportunity. It came out on Penguin Random House. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's been really well supported. It's in airport bookstores around the country. Um, and um, 
And so I'm really gratified uh, that this book, Build for Tomorrow, uh, is reaching people like that. But you know, I, I think that the real power of it, I, I probably won't know for years. <laughs> well, that's exciting. So let's let's talk about the impact of of hosting your two podcasts. Sure. Um, so you know, it's very interesting. So I host these two podcasts. Uh, uh, you know, the one I'll draw your most attention to is, is uh, has the same name as the book, Build for Tomorrow, and uh, and it's it's a show that. Uh, um, seeks to understand the things that we misunderstand. Um, so uh, uh, the most recent episode I just did on um, on the phrase "nobody wants to work anymore" and why that's BS. And uh, and and I um, as part of that I go through literally more than a century's worth of people saying nobody wants to work anymore and trying to <laughs> under understand like what they were all talking about and what it has to do with now. So um, you know the. The, the the podcasts are a funny thing. The um, podcasts are very hard. You know, they're if you if you if you do it well, it's it's hard to make. Um, they're hard to grow, uh, hard to grow an audience. Um, but if you if you if you really understand what you're doing and who your audience is, um, you develop a listenership and you develop a connection, a relationship with with the audience that really matters. And the the thing that's been of great value to me with the podcasts is you know I mean they make me a little money that's fine but um, but is it is they've really been an opportunity magnet uh, like they, they've really just been um, you put it's like a beacon that goes out into the world uh, about about my 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 ideas and my my sensibility and people have responded um, just the the number of amazing connections. Uh, with individuals and organizations that have come out of those podcasts is far surpassed whatever I would have made on ad dollars. Hmm. Love the love the power of connection. Yeah. All right, Jason, you've been sharing for you know, 25 minutes with with our entrepreneurial audience, and you want to leave them with Jason's words of wisdom. What would you share? Oh, yeah, uh, right. Jason's words of wisdom are: uh, go pick up your son before daycare starts charging you for extra time. That's that's what's actually happening right now. So I got to go do that. But you know, final real words of wisdom for you all, I'd say, would be um, to reconsider the impossible. You know, what I, what I find is that um, the the greatest the greatest ideas uh, are are not beamed down from Mars. Uh, they're not created by supernatural forces. They're they're actually often ideas that we had discarded or we didn't take seriously, um, and. Um, and, uh, and, you know, moments of crisis shift, shift our understanding of what's possible and, and, and force us to look beyond the things that we have thought we needed and, and into those things that we thought maybe were just too difficult. And uh, that's where I see people really transform their, their lives and their careers over and over again. And we always have that opportunity to reconsider the impossible. Oh, I love that. Reconsider the impossible. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate your wisdom. Go out and find Build for Tomorrow. And uh, we'll share all those things in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jason. Have a great day. Perfect. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you're struggling with stress, feel like life is out of control, run out of time before your to-do list is finished, well, we have a gift for you. Stop by addvaluemindset.com and claim your free gift today. In our next episode... Eric Konovalov shares his journey from Russian immigrant to U.S. Marine to copier sales to teaching sales. Now Eric is building a coaching company helping entrepreneurs and sales professionals grow themselves and their businesses to fulfill their dreams.